This is Speaking with the Enemy on the Thai Cats Audio Network. Here is Louis Butko. Yes, the show is Speaking with the Enemy. Louis Butko here with you. The Enemy this week, the Montreal Alouettes, as both teams wrap up their preseason. And uh, uh, to discuss that, we bring in TSN 690, Sean Campbell. And Sean, I mean, I always think you look at the training camp schedule, you're like, wow, training camp is so long. And then you get to the point now where they're packing up from where they were, they're getting it. Like it's, it's incredible how quickly training camp really flies by. Yeah. It flies by, I guess, for the people not in the training camp doing the two days, because it's, it's funny. So many years covering training camp for the Alouettes. I love talking to the veterans and every time, you know, someone who's been in the league seven, eight, nine years, those older guys, I go and I ask the same simple question. Hey, do you like training camp? And it's just, it starts with a big sigh. <sighs> you know, because they know how long it is because it is a grind out there. Then you throw it to the guy that's uh, coming out of college or was, you know, working in an investment firm the year before because he still loves the game, but he couldn't find anywhere to go. Did you like, try- oh, I love this. I love hitting the field, hitting the pads, gets me going. I'm motivated. I want to go. Really, it depends on perspective. And as outsiders like you and I, not on the field, it feels short. But we have not been doing sprints. We have not been doing 40s. We haven't been hitting the bags. We haven't, uh, you know, been doing the uh, scrimmages, the uh, uh, skelly or 7v7. We haven't been doing any of that. So, yeah, it seems short. And I'm with you. It felt short for me. But I know that, uh, at least with the Owls, they're ready to pack up and come to Montreal. They've been doing it in Trois-Rivières, which is about an hour and a half outside of Montreal. Uh, but they've been doing that the last couple of years. They enjoy it. It's nice for the uh, – uh, community out there, but they're, they're ready to come to Montreal. Uh, sitting in classrooms, sleeping in dorm rooms, uh, same oh, guys yeah. for for eighty days straight. Yeah, yeah, maybe uh, like you said, it seems short for us, but uh, these guys are ready for the regular season. They got to get through Friday's game. We'll get to that in just a second. But the word of the year for the Alouettes, for a team that went to the East Final, you know, they had that home victory and and against the Tie Cats in the East Semis. Uh, but new is the word. New coach, new quarterback, new ownership, and and. Full respect to the ownership that kept the, the the team alive, that kept the lights on with the Alouettes, the league for taking over. But with PK Pelado, you've noticed even in this offseason the investment that they seem to be making into the fan experience, which is such a huge part of, of the CFL. Yeah, I think uh I think it's exciting times to be an Alouettes fan. Um, you know, I, I still tip my cap to Robert Wettenhall. Uh, when he stepped up and he was owner because he was an American that wanted to own a football team. Maybe he didn't have enough money to own an NFL team, but then he went and bought himself the Montreal Alouettes. And if he didn't do that, the Owls would have never been around in the 90s and the 2000s and since. They would have never came back. And and Robert Wettenhall was fine with, I mean, he was fine with losing $8 million a year. He, to me, to, to him, it was like a toy and he, he showed up and he liked being the, the man around the facility when he showed up to a game. But the investment wasn't there because he was already losing money. My favorite thing that uh, Pierre Carl Peldo said at his press conference when he came in, and you can look at the political landscape all you want. This is a guy that's a billionaire. And he said, I'm not getting into this for the money. I hope not. Making money with a CFL franchise is tough. It's not that you can't do it. And clearly, he has a mind for the business. He's a billionaire. So this is good. I think that this is good for... Uh, Montreal, and I think there's an excitement. I love the first thing that you hear is brand new LED 
scoreboard. It's like, if you've been to Persimolson Stadium, it's quaint. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's majestic sitting out there, but you're sitting on bench seating and it's still the, uh, you know, the uh, lights that light up. You really can't really see anything on the scoreboard. And and, and whatever, I, I take it as it is and I enjoy myself out there, but we have to turn to our TVs in the booth if we want to watch a replay. Some little things like that, that, ex- that experience, I think you're going to start to see. They're shelling out. Our Lady Peace is going to be doing the home opener at halftime. Just little things I think that you're going to notice with Palado coming in. I, I, I think it's for positive news for the Owls organization. I think we take it for granted here uh, in Hamilton with the stable ownership, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with uh, the caretaker Bob Young has, has been able to do here. But Amar Doman, uh, the new ownership in, in Edmonton, or the new leadership in Edmonton, sorry. It seems like there's a blueprint there, uh, and, and the Alouettes are doing uh, all right by their fans, which, uh, which is also a huge part of it. Uh, let's talk about the football itself. I, I, do, I do. Yeah, we'll get to the football. But yeah. it's, since, you know, you're talking about Bob, the next time you see him, and uh, the facility, I love, I, I love the field in Hamilton. Okay, can you just, can you get them in the press box when we do the games? Can, can we, can we get the windows to open? Oh, for can, can, I, we, can, can I, we get the windows <laughs> open? That's the only thing I ask. Okay, I just need them with the beautiful and spacious. Yeah. With the windows. I like to call a football game leading out a window, and uh, we're, I feel like I'm in a cabin when I'm in Hamilton Beautiful Stadium. I'm not taking anything away. I just gotta have that window. Open. That's all. Just next time we talk to Bob, okay? If if I had a nickel for every time somebody has asked me to pass that message along, I could fund <laughs> the improvements at the stadium to have that done, uh, Sean. But uh, I'll I'll pass it along. I'll pass it along. Uh, let's talk about the new head coach. That's Jason Moss. Obviously, Danny Machocha, very familiar with this guy. You know, you can say it's it's his guy. It was his pick, obviously. But what do you think? What have you heard from the first little bitch? The Jason Moss era starts now with this team how is it starting off uh, it's starting off very well and i know that you know you went down the list of ownership change and then new coach new quarterback and i think that's where the focus is going to be ownership is one thing but on the field it'll be coaching quarterback because everything else i know the receivers are going to be a little bit different danny machocha still was building this team he's been the gm so that stays on so he's had plans in place. Now, he w- was handcuffed with the whole ownership situation when it came to Trevor Harris and Eugene Lewis. Even if Pelado came in, I don't know if he was going to be able to sign them. But the other thing is, all the other guys that Jason Moss was going up against for the head coaching position, Noel Thorpe, Anthony Calvion, uh, Byron Archambault, I mean, they're, they're all back. Yeah. They're, the coaching staff is back. They've made a couple adjustments. Andre Bolduc has, has moved on. Tyrell Sutton's in. Uh, and just a couple, but uh, Greg Quick's still there. Their, their staff is there. So I think that will help Jason Moss. And he could have made changes, but he decided not to make changes. But to me, it's what kind of style are they going to play? Danny Machoja had a certain style. He had Trevor Harris. He had Eugene Lewis. You're in a little trouble. I'm second and 15. You're just going to throw the ball up to Eugene Lewis. I think, the, I think the offensive playbook has to change there. We have seen that they like to go to the run game. Now, in the first preseason game the run game was non-existent so you didn't have standback playing and they didn't have their top offensive lineman in there that is what i'm going to be watching for can they get those first down runs with standback can walter fletcher be dynamic enough as you know the secondary back will they use how much will they use just one Antwi? that to me is what but they've been preaching about the run game and if they can get that run game that's what's going to open up the pass game it doesn't look like they're going to start with the pass game 
because there's still a lot of question marks. There's going to be, uh, you know, sophomore Canadian receivers, rookie American receivers, uh, names that you're going to have to learn uh, throughout the season. Who's that guy? Where did he come from? Oh, he went to Ohio State. This guy went to Western Michigan. Okay, that's who you're going to see as receivers for the Alouettes. But I, I think they're going to go run first with uh, Jason Moss. Um, I mean, to that point, you mentioned the sophomore Canadians. Let me just throw one out there in Tyson Philpot, a guy that I would expect to take a jump this year, uh, having a full off season, knowing what it takes. What are you expecting to see from from a guy like Tyson Philpot? And and can he be that number one guy? We've seen guys, you know, I I, I think of Tim White, different situation, but a guy in his yeah. first year put up good numbers and then went astronomical in year two where do you think Tyson Philpot fits on that scale coming back for year two what have you heard around camp on how he looks they love him I mean they absolutely love him uh the last person I talked to him about was uh Anthony Calvio and you just say Tyson Philpot and just big smile comes to his face I uh, I remember during the season talking with Byron Archambault the special teams coordinator now he's the assistant head coach uh asking about Tyson Philpot that's just before he even sh- showed you know signs as a receiver this is when there was a game, the punt returner Chandler Worthy got hurt and they just had to put Philpot back. And then he was, he was returning, uh, you know, kicks all the way to midfield. And then he was the first guy on a tackle because he was still on punt coverage because he's a Canadian and he's a rookie. You got to do your special teams first. And I kept asking, I remember asking Anthony Calvillo because he was turning into the offensive coordinator and uh, he goes, well, it's kind of tough because I had to say, Byron, you can't use him as much because I want to use him for the offense. Uh, so you saw the evolution in one year for him from where he started to where he finished because they were really taking it easy. So now if you watch what you saw in 2022, you're expecting he's going to start where he finished. He's going to be part of the five receivers. Now that's going to help them having a star receiver that's Canadian. I would think he's in the mix, but they have a lot of Canadian talent. Kion, Julian Grant, Herjie Mayala, uh, just to name a few. Uh, you know, they picked up Greg Ellingson this year on the offseason. So there's a lot of pieces on that offense that uh, he's going to have to swing in. He has to perform to start, but there will be places for on the team if he's not in the receivers. Yeah, I mean, you just look at – I mean, he's part of that young nucleus of, like, young receivers. You know, and this this league has always thrived on those Canadian receivers who can put up huge numbers. You know, I'm lucky to to get to work with a couple of them in, in – or one of them in Andy Fantuz. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, Tyson Philpott, a player, I'm really excited to see uh, not just Friday but all season. Who are you going to be looking a little bit closer at on Friday? I mean, we haven't even gotten to Cody Fajardo. So how are you going to assess what you see from Fajardo in maybe a quarter, maybe a series or two? Yeah, I – I, I, I'm wondering how long they're going to keep him in, you know, being the home game, but he didn't play in that first game. And, and yeah, that's my answer. My answer is Cody Fajardo. Uh, look, uh, I, I got a good taste of uh, the Austin Mack and Tyler Sneed uh, last week. Of course, I'd like to see Tyson Philpott, but I saw him last year. Like Cody Fajardo coming off the injury, you know, being declared the guy. Like he's still – I like that he has Canadian football experience. You know, you have Caleb Evans back there. You have Davis Alexander, the, the Owls are very high on him. But Cody Fajardo has the experience. Cody Fajardo has the experience with Jason Moss. Cody Fajardo, it's almost like what Moss is building is going to be around him. Uh, is his running ability going to be there? And you want to have that running ability as a quarterback, but you want to make sure that he can read a defense. And I'm not sure, can he sit in the pocket for two to three seconds? Can he 
use his legs just to buy himself time or is he using his legs like this is we see this all the time with the young quarterbacks right they get in pressure and then they feel that pressure they stop looking downfield and they just tuck and run and they'll get five yards or they'll get one yard or maybe they'll bust one for 25 that's what happens i saw it last week caleb evans davis alexander all these young guys they just the moment pressure comes in they can't do two things at once it's cody fajardo at that stage of his career where now he can be in the pocket feel the pressure still read what's happening down the field and then make the play. Cause I, I feel like he was still at the stage where he got pressured and he just ran. And I think that's where you see the evolution to the next stage, to the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the CFL. Doesn't he have the perfect, doesn't he have the exact right two coaches for this though? And Jason Moss and Anthony Calvillo, like yes. I have to imagine he has to be a sponge like these last three weeks. I mean, since he's been signed, like he, he has to be a sponge to those two guys because two of the best to ever do it. Yeah. And you could even Moss was a little different, but even Calvillo, I remember his early, early years, even with the Hamilton, what happened? He got pressure. He went to his legs and he did have legs back. I know we didn't have him at the end of his <laughs> career, but he did have some legs back then. And it's, it's, it's so funny how the older you get, you're like, Oh, I can't move as much. And, and I get that. But you have to make sure that you're amplifying your reads and 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 understand the playbook, know where your where your receivers are, and that's that's the other thing. Cody Fajardo's coming in, and there's six, seven receiver, eight receivers trying out with the number one unit. I don't even know if they've decided the five guys that they really want to have. That's going to take time for him to develop chemistry. So yeah. I'm so curious about the start of the season for the Owls for Fajardo to really hit a stride. Maybe they're going to come out on fire because there's three guys he's connecting with, but I haven't seen it yet because he didn't play in the first preseason yet. Uh, last one before we let you go here, Sean. Appreciate your time today. What do you make of the Hamilton Tiger Cats? A lot of new pieces, obviously big names in both Levi Mitchell, Jameer Thurman, uh, you know, Duke Williams. What, what, as an outsider, when you look at the Hamilton Tiger Cats, what are your top-line thoughts? First thought is I still think they're the class of the East. I, I still think they're going to be the top team in the East. I'm, I'm curious about Toronto, uh, Ottawa. I still think they're going to go through some growing pains. Um, and I think that you might have that Toronto-Montreal battle. And I don't know if that battle is going to be for seven wins or eight wins, maybe nine wins. I know that we can get into just the West is stronger than the East. I still think we might be there. Uh, I, but, you know, it's a CFL. Three weeks into the season – you could be in second place and be 0-3. Yeah. We've, we've, we've seen this before. So uh, I, I look at the Ticats. I still think they're the class. Uh, I know that there was talk that maybe Bo Levi Mitchell and Montreal, and they were going to be able to try and get him instead of going the Cody Fajardo route. But, you know, ec economics, I think, and not having the ownership in place of free agency was one of those things. But I still think – I know that Calgary didn't think he had game left, but I think Bo Levi Mitchell still has game. So I, I thought it was a great pickup by the Ticats. Uh, well, on that positive note, uh, a, a show dedicated talking about the opponent, getting your thoughts on our team. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure the bosses will be happy with that one. Sean Campbell, appreciate this as always. Uh, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. All right. Enjoy the season. My thanks to Sean Campbell for joining me today, getting you set for Friday's game against the Alouettes. And of course, you can catch another episode of Speaking with the Enemy as part of Tiger Cats pregame with Bubba O'Neill and Andy Fantuz on Friday night. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode of this show or any of the other great shows on the Ticats Audio Network. From all of us here, I'm Louis Butko. Hope you have a great day.